and welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm Mitchell Wolf, and I'm here with James Burns, Editor-in-Chief of Super Jump. Hey, James, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. How are you? I'm going pretty good. I'm going pretty great. Uh, I almost said good, but no, I'm doing better than good this week, James, because we get to talk about something pretty exciting. Um, I, I would say one of the coolest things that Super Jump has yet been involved with, um, that I know of at least, um, and that's something you did, and we're going to get around to that just in one second. I, I'm sure I don't need to uh, be coy about it because it's probably going to be the name of the episode. Um, so people already know what we're talking about, but just in case I can build the dramatic suspense, I will attempt to, um, if you can, if you'd like to, if you've heard our previous shows and, and and liked them and expected like this one as well, go ahead and subscribe to us where you can and rate us, give us a, a review on iTunes if you can. That would be so good. It's the only way we grow. We don't do any... Um, I, I don't think we do any paid advertisement for the podcast itself. So this no. is really the only way uh, we, we grow. Your, your positive word of mouth and, and your uh, reviews and, and your, your viewer count, that all really matters to us. And we, we, we love to uh, keep in touch with the community that way. And, and if you want to change something about the show, put that in the review. If there's a reason that you wouldn't give us five stars, give us four stars and, and tell us why. I, I would have said give us three stars, but I mean, like, give us four stars. That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd um, be nice. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> so, James, let's just get right into it. What did you do recently? So, it was about two weeks ago, I visited Nintendo Australia to play Super Mario Odyssey. That's super cool. That is, that's a childhood dream of mine, minus the Australia part. I wouldn't know to make that part of my childhood dream. Um, but yeah, that's so cool. Um, you, so, you can retrospectively so, fit it in. That's okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll just tell my, my childhood self to be like, hey, just be a little bit more open to Australia. Don't, don't worry about why yet. Just, you know, think about it. Um, so here's here's the big question. Um, how did this happen? How did how'd you get involved? Uh, so it was a little bit out of the blue, actually. I I got an email probably a week before we went. Actually, maybe maybe it was only half a week before we went. It was very sort of last minute. Um, and basically, they were running sessions for gaming media in um, Melbourne and Sydney um, to play Mario Odyssey. And... It was, my understanding is it was short notice because only maybe a couple of days before that email went out, they had actually received updated code from Nintendo headquarters in Japan. Uh, and it was basically like, here's the updated code, you can install it, um, and you're allowed to show people this. Um, and so they went out very, very quickly um, and started contacting people. So I think because of the because of how quickly that happened and because of the time differences and all the rest of it I think we would have been among the first uh media to actually play these new areas. We were among the last to write about them, but we were among <laughs> the first to play them. So um so that was exciting because you know um I I 
sort of seen, uh, you know, I'd played the game at E3 briefly. I'd seen a lot of the footage. Um, we just had the Gamescom footage and demos, which were quite in-depth as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this demo was interesting because it was a much more complete version of the game, not completely final, almost final. Um, and they were showing some things that we'd seen at Gamescom and some things that no one had seen yet. Now, that, that's super interesting, and I want to get all into that. But before we do, um, number one, I'd like to issue a um, an explanation of whether or not there will be spoilers. I'm personally a person that's trying to be aware of, of what the media is saying about the game without looking into it too deeply to spoil like specific aspects of the game for myself so um just purely on on a self-centered level i will be directing the conversation to be relatively spoiler free we're going to try that at least so um if you're in that boat don't worry me too uh, second of all, I just want to talk about Nintendo Australia. What's that like? What's what's the what's the vibe around that building? What? How are the? How is it? How is it there? Um. Well, the funny thing about it is, even going there as an adult, uh, you walk in the front doors and it's kind of everything you hope it would be. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know. So. I haven't been to any of the other Nintendo offices, but but I assume they're all sort of relatively similar in this sense. But you know, like you, as soon as you um, as soon as you walk inside the front doors, there's a great big reception. There's a big glass wall behind reception, and the the middle of the building behind that is all kind of open. It's kind of like a big atrium with offices surrounding it, um, and the reception itself has you know like a giant. Mario and Pikachu statue and all the there's a bench with all the different awards they've won um, for uh, like the local stuff for Australia and New Zealand um, and they've got a whole mm. they've got like a stack of switch boxes in the corner and oh so that's where they all are yeah that uh, that's what I was thinking I actually <laughs> I was noticing them and I'm thinking ah oh, so you're just hoarding them all here in reception are you uh, <laughs> um but there's little there's little touches. So like when you when you're in reception and you're waiting to, uh, you know, you're waiting to be summoned into the the inner sanctum. Um, you know, there's a little uh, there's a chess table with like a Mario chess on it, and there's lots of kind of things to look at and play with. Which that's is really, really cool. Fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, like that. That's that's how my mind always like thought about nintendo uh especially nintendo of japan but but other branches as well just like it's a treasure trove of of toys and canceled games and and like all of this stuff that you could see there that might not even have been released it's just there and like the people that work there can play with it and you can't because you're just a kid mitchell don't worry about it um but yeah that that's so that's so cool i'm glad it's not just like a business, you know, because it, it could definitely, it definitely has the potential to be just a business if it wanted to, but they've, they've kept the magic alive, I, I suppose. Yeah. And I mean, my, my connection with Nintendo Australia is a bit unique because I did years and years ago, 
I did uh, what, what we call uh, high school work experience. I don't know if you have something similar over there in the states. It's like yeah, we we do, um, but it's yeah. more it, it it's it's more like it, at least the way that I've heard it. Uh, other countries' work experience programs explained to me. Ours is more just like if you have a job, let's we can try to accommodate it via school somehow versus making it a point to like get a kid a job yeah yeah we we have uh or we had i don't know what it's like now i haven't been in high school for a while but uh when i was in high school we had um like a a specific subject that that's sort of like i guess you'd kind of call it like work and life skills so they teach you how to write a cv and how to get a job and how to, you know, organize a bank account. And it's just one subject you do among everything else. And um, I wrote a, uh, I wrote a slightly threatening letter to Nintendo Australia <laughs> asking to do work experience because I emphasized very strongly in the letter that I was a very loyal customer and had bought many of their products and they should hire me. <laughs> So, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. So lo and behold, when I got a when I got a letter back in the mail that that said Nintendo Australia and had their letterhead on it, um, and that they actually sent me some dates about you know when I could come and see them, um, I I nearly died. I nearly jumped out of my skin. I couldn't believe that actually worked. Uh, <laughs> um, but. When I went to do work experience there, they were in a different building. They were in a quite an old building that wasn't really geared for them. So, you know, it was just some building they were renting. And they, from memory, they didn't really fit. They had too many people. Um, whereas the building they're in now, which has got to be, just trying to think, it's probably it's at least 10 years old, maybe 15 years old, they've actually sort of, purpose built it it's a whole facility hmm. that they've kind of purpose designed and purpose built now when when would this have been um when you were doing work experience like what 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 console generation would this have been so i did it in 98 oh wow. Uh, okay. so i can't remember the exact month i did it but i did it before ocarina of time came out and I remember uh, sitting in their boardroom and watching a, I don't know if it was from E3 or where it was, but um, I remember watching a, um, like, kind of an extended gameplay of Ocarina of Time in the boardroom. Um, and they were really generous. Like, they gave me all of this stuff that some of it I've still got uh, to help me with my course. So, for example, they used to have big um, kind of like point-of-sale displays at retail where they would show like this long montage or this, this long clip of different games that were coming out. And they had their own music. They had their own soundtrack behind it that they were using for marketing here at the time. I don't think it was in any of the other territories. And... Um, when I left, when I finished the work experience, they gave me a VHS tape in this Nintendo 64 branded case oh, that wow. had all of their marketing material on it. Like it, it, it's got 
uh, a clip of all of these games and it's got um, some ads, some TV ads for Yoshi's Story, including, um, really interestingly, the final ad, but also some ads that just show wireframes. Oh, because whoa. The ad was made for Australia and New Zealand. So in the ad, there's like, there's a point where Yoshi comes out and uh, kind of shoots his tongue out, and there's a big ruler on the screen, and it shows how long his tongue is. And they did all of that here. Um, so the ad has like a, I don't know what it's called, you know, there's that little countdown thing at the start of a, of a movie or an ad. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. It's got the little countdown and then it just it keeps repeating and it shows different iterations of that ad. Um, it's so cool. So there's just little things like that. Like they were very, very generous in terms of like working with me as a student. Um, so coming back all these years later was really, really a treat. It was really fun. Yeah, that's... That's such a crazy high school story to me. I like I I thought I had done some relatively fun and cool things in high school, but I didn't like help market Ocarina of Time. Jesus, uh, that's so cool. <laughs> um, but but the the they had changed the building since then, so it's it's all new, or at least yeah, relatively new. Yeah, it's much more kind of fit for purpose. So like when you go behind reception into this big atrium um, and I wish I could have taken photos. I asked, but I wasn't allowed. Um, there's in, in the middle of the atrium, there's like a big staircase that kind of goes up. I think it's three or four stories, the building. Um, but at the bottom, there are these, they're almost uh, not quite trophy cabinets. They're like, you know, there's uh you might have like a pillar with a glass box on top that shows a trophy yeah, like, or an artifact. Like a um, museum pedestal? Yeah, like a museum pedestal. They've got those kind of surrounding the the empty atrium and each one is about a different thing. So like one of them will be about, you know, the, the anniversary of Mario Brothers and they've painted the pedestal with the logo and there'll be a little artifact inside. Um so the atrium is kind of like a little museum of their key achievements. Um, and then you kind of cross the atrium and go into this room that's like a... And there are pictures of it online. It's it's like a big room they use for promotional events and things. So it's got big um, kind of point-of-sale kiosk stands everywhere and bean bags and the walls are all you know, wallpapered with various logos and bits and pieces. Um, and then connected to that are these two rooms, the Zelda room and the Samus room, which are set up like um, living, you know, everyday living rooms where you can actually play the game kind of in peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried getting a picture of the that kind of ante room outside those two living areas, but... Uh, because it was because they were shuffling things around and it was looking a bit messy, they were a bit concerned that it didn't look quite right. So they were they were very and fair enough. Uh, they were very particular about the image they project to the outside world. So that sounds like uh, Nintendo. Yeah, they were they were very you know they were very polite about it, but it was very clear that you know they were absolutely in control of 
of what you can see and how you see it. Um, that's super interesting. So then you sat down with Super Mario Odyssey, which, by the way, I'm very jealous. And and and, and what, what what was it? Was the game was it the full game that they just didn't want you to play through a certain part of? They only wanted you to keep to a certain part, or were you only able to access one part of the game? So it was definitely closer to the full game uh, because when I played it at E3, it was very clearly like they had a they had a splash screen in the game and you could choose which level to, to go into or which demo to play. This time, the way they did it was they ferried me from area to area by loading uh, pre-created save files. Oh, interesting. Um, okay. So they would... Um, they, they had different profiles on the Switch that were saved at different kind of points uh, and they would they would jump out of one profile and into another to show me something. Um, there were there were a couple of instances where I uh, I would get to a certain point and I'd go to touch something or activate something, and they would very very gently say, "Oh no, uh, you can't actually activate that. We we can't show you that." Um, oh. So there were certain bits. So it was much more of a complete game because they were kind of actively. Um, drawing the boundaries in certain places. Interesting. Hmm. Um, and um, I may have to cut this out, but were there any <laughs> anything? Was there anything in your like NDA or whatever uh, that, that you still can't talk about that you've saw that you've seen? Uh, not. I think the only thing, and I won't tell you what it actually is, but. Okay. So it won't be a spoiler, but uh, the the one thing in particular that I've walked the line on really carefully here is I can show you the bosses that I encountered, but I can't explicitly show you or explain how to beat them. Oh. Okay. Um, so that that's something I've avoided. I've I've sort of come close to the precipice, but I haven't actually gone that far. Um, there are other things. I'm just going to actually have a quick look because I have the embargo right here. Um, sometimes the embargo itself is is quite interesting in terms of kind of the embargo itself hints at certain things. Um, a lot of it, I think a lot of it is just about, um, uh, you know, like there were certain, there were a couple of screens that I saw that are kind of like, stat screens that there's an online component to the game that I didn't talk about here in the article um, and kind of involving stats uh, which I wasn't allowed to talk about um, although I, I have a feeling they did show something of that at Gamescom but um, I, I think they've more or less explained that that is at least a part of the game if not specifically how it works yeah yeah which um, i suppose is what we should keep it to as well yeah absolutely um and i think the only other thing that that i didn't come across though was there are throughout the kingdoms there are sometimes 
posters, like travel posters that show other locations. And uh, I'm obviously just not observant enough. I didn't particularly notice them. And um, we've, we've double checked our footage to make sure we haven't captured them. Um, but they, they don't want us to show those because they might indicate other kingdoms that haven't been talked about yet. Mm, interesting. Um, I, I noticed in the original, um, I guess not the very reveal of the game because the original reveal of the game was just like a six second spot of Mario rolling through what was then known as the Mexican town in quotes. Um, during the, I think it was last October, so a a full year ago, the original trailer for the Switch. Before, like, before then it was known as the NX. Um, but not, so not that one, but the next one in their January 2017 stage show for the Switch, they, uh, they opened on New Donk City, and in the background of New Donk City, you could see some things like, um... There was a sign that showed the, um, I I guess now it's called the Forest Kingdom, yeah. And uh, th- there was a sign that said Cogwald, which is German for mechanical forest. Um, yeah. But that's not even what it's called anymore. So that like that that changed in between, um, in between E three and that January thing. So I that that's interesting that uh. They don't want you to see those because maybe other things have changed their name as well. Yeah, and I don't know how... I mean, obviously, we're getting pretty close to to the launch and because there's a physical release as well, they obviously, you know, there's a there would be a fair amount of lead time in terms of getting that out to retailers. So I would expect that they're well and truly... They've well and truly wrapped up a final build, you know, within the last few weeks. Uh, but it's possible that the code we got was had actually been built, you know, earlier than that. Um, so, as I say, it's it's definitely felt much more complete, much more close to the final thing. But there could be some minor changes here or there uh, in the retail version. Hmm. Um. So so just first impressions, James. How did it feel? Um. Yeah, how did it feel? How did it, how did it control? Um, I I had an easier time with it this time than at E three, and what I mean is when I played it at E three. So just to take a step back, the way the kind of recommended control scheme for this is that you hold the two Joy Cons independently because there's quite a lot of motion control involved. You can play with the Pro Controller, you can play with the grip, but it seems as though holding the Joy-Cons is kind of the ideal way to play. Hmm. Uh, I don't normally play games on Switch that way at the moment. So Yeah, like, me neither. You know, I don't know anyone that Zelda, does, that's, that's weird. Yeah, like I, I know some people have said, oh, you know, I, I like to hold the Joy-Cons separately so I can kind of rest my hands down and that type of thing. I don't... I find that a bit awkward. Um, so when I played it at E3, it did, like, making Mario run around and jump and everything felt about as flawless as you can imagine. I mean, it's a it's a Mario game by Nintendo, so there's just, there's no question that the basic mechanics are going to feel spot on. Um, but the motion control side of things felt a bit unintuitive at first. 
but actually <clears throat> actually sitting down and playing it for a good amount of time um it felt much more intuitive and the game like when i played it this time the game guides you through the controls kind of step by step in a way that the e3 demo didn't because they were kind of just dropping you in right and you know a, a representative standing next to you would sort of say oh you can do this and you can do this and you can do this whereas this time you you know you're starting in the cap kingdom and you you it's kind of a tutorial so it's kind of got that smoother gradient um and so it worked much better it, it felt much better um i was uh and i actually commented to the to one of the reps in the room something along the lines of you know nintendo nails this every time uh, i think they they get the controls right uh they're very good with that so no complaints there intuitivity with controls is weird because you would assume that um, just the more intuitive controls are, the more accessible and easy to understand they are, the better. But yeah. I think you can go overboard a little bit because if there's no room for, for like an improvement of skill at it, it can get boring. So uh, I, I think that's exactly where I want it to be, in, as you've described it, at least. Um, now, y you said separated Joy-Cons is the way to play. That... That is like the first bad news about this game I've ever heard because I that does not sound like how I want to play it. I think I will play it if like that if they want me to, but that that's that doesn't sound super appetizing. Um, did you get to play with the pro controller or with the Joy Cons together, or only so, separated? Uh, this time it was just the Joy Cons separated. That was the only option. Uh, okay. At E3, I played with the Pro as well. And I have to say, like, even though the separate Joy-Cons didn't feel all that intuitive initially, the Pro felt sort of limiting because, you, because your hands are not independent, there are certain actions that are just much... They felt harder to do on the Pro Controller. So... Wait, well, uh, on the pro controller, um, oh, okay. For example, I know that uh, swinging your hat around is motion control based, and like you can control the trajectory of your hat in air, and you can make circles with it and stuff. Yep. Um, do you still need to do those motion controls with the pro controller so in order to I, do that thing, that kind of the, thing? Yeah this this may have changed, so I'm going to be a bit tentative. Um, okay. But from memory at A3 there was still a combination of using buttons and motion on the pro controller which i found really awkward because actually shaking or moving the pro controller around while i was trying to press the buttons i sort of felt like i was going to drop it. it it didn't feel quite right um so and when as you play through the game there are certain movements or certain abilities you'll come across when you capture certain enemies that really seem to rely on independent movement of both hands. And so hmm. I'm not sure how those things are handled on the Pro Controller, but I feel as though you would get less accuracy on the Pro Controller. Um, 
I, I suppose I would assume so. Um, it, it, the Pro Controller apparently has all of the same motion control capabilities that the two Joy-Cons do. Yeah. So it's really just about, like, the physicality of moving the controller around. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. I, I haven't really thought about this aspect of the game yet. Um, I think yeah, you've I mean, convinced me to play it with Joy-Cons separated, um, but wow, huh? Yeah, I definitely think um, start out that way and see how you feel. Um, I mean, a, a, a great example of this is, uh, and I know we'll we'll probably go through this a bit more, but when you're in the uh, when you're in the Luncheon Kingdom, you can capture an enemy that's like a kind of like a Hammer Brothers, but um, he's wearing a chef's hat and he throws pans instead of hammers. Right. Uh, and when you capture him, um, you can throw the pans as well. But the way you throw them is you actually flick both hands independently. And the hmm. faster you flick them, the faster he throws the pans. And you, it looks as though you can control each of his hands separately, if that makes sense. So you can flick left and right with your left and right hands. So there's this degree of like controller finesse that you get with the two Joy-Cons that I think would be, would feel a bit blunt with the Pro Controller. Huh. Um, that's, th this is all really interesting, uh, especially because Super Mario Galaxy turns 10 this year, and which, by the way, wow, that was kind of fast. Um, yeah, that's a bit scary. Yeah, but Super Mario Galaxy turns 10 this year, and I, I think the part of... The parts of the game that have aged the worst are by far the mo the motion controls. Um, I the, the pointer controls are mostly fine through the years, but it it I mean it definitely feels wonky going back to remember that galaxy level where Mario is running on top of the like an amber ball with a power star in the middle of it. Yeah, uh, and it, it's like a weird golf course sort of thing. And you control it by leaning the the Wiimote forward and backward and, and, and everything. That is a weird thing now. So I'm I'm hoping that just the the um, the technology upgrades in the motion controls of the Joy Cons, and I do think that they are a lot better at it than the Wiimotes were. Um, I, I I hope that this aspect of the game is not like as quickly outdated as that aspect of galaxy because every other part of galaxy is is a classic and you you would hold it up for for any like game design uh class or or uh, something like that so i really hope that doesn't negatively affect the game so much uh i don't i mean there's a lot of people out there that are just going to be against motion controls no matter what right um, like yeah. just on a fundamental, on a fundamental level, they don't agree with having motion controls. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes, um, and, and it'll be especially interesting to see how adept the pro controller and the Joy Cons together are at mimicking those actions, if not just mapping them to buttons. Yeah, I mean, I th that's a really good point because. I'm also curious to see how this game plays in handheld mode. 
Right. Um, oh, I, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if anyone has played it that way yet. Uh, there is a. Um, oh, I think I could be wrong. I think Digital Foundry did a video that kind of shows the visual differences. I think. Oh, I saw that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'm I, because I imagine for me, like I play the Switch sometimes on TV, but I often play it in handheld mode. And I'm sure I'll be playing this game when I'm traveling for work and that sort of thing. So, um, I mean, they're definitely going to have to handle those scenarios where you don't have that kind of access to to that really dexterous motion control. Um, and admittedly, I played a f- played it very briefly that way at E3. So I'm I'm crossing my fingers and hoping that it will work out well, and there'll be enough. Um, um, I guess alternative for people who don't want to have the separate joy cons. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Right. Um, <clears throat> so let, let's just, uh, let's, let's keep moving on here. The, so the controls good. Um, what do you think about not, not necessarily the story, presentation but but everything else just the presentation of the game um did you did play to d3 did you see a noticeable difference from the way the game looked um or maybe sounded or or anything like that i well i think the biggest thing was playing it at a3 uh i mean it the biggest thing was you couldn't really hear it very well because you're you know you're in a busy yeah, booth with a ton of people around. Um, so actually, playing it in a quiet room was a real pleasure because the music, in particular, is just absolutely outstanding. And uh, if you watch the, I think it's the first video in the preview article that kind of has the little intro. Um, that music in the intro is the music from the Cap Kingdom. Hmm. Okay. And it is just gorgeous. It's, uh, I said it in the article and I said it to Nintendo while I was there. Um, that Cap Kingdom uh, felt very, it had a very Tim Burton vibe to me and kind of Danny Elfman vibe in terms of the music. Um, it, it is just gorgeous. And um, I, I would, from what I heard, um, I really sort of felt like it was hitting a, a pretty high bar, even compared to previous Mario games. Um, so it was great to be able to actually get a sense of the music and the sound effects a little bit more this time. In terms of visuals, uh, there wasn't, there didn't seem to be a massive difference from E3. I mean, it, it's a bit tricky to say because I was playing areas that I hadn't played at E3 at all, so it wasn't kind of an apples for apples comparison. Um, hmm. I think um, Cap Kingdom I keep coming back to because it's I, I don't know how technically difficult it was to do and it's not a massive area but it's quite incredible that it's being done on the Switch when you watch a video of that kingdom you know you've got the fog kind of rolling through among the hills and you've got all these fire and smoke effects everywhere and it runs at this beautiful 60 frames per second. Um, it's just really, really smooth and really rich. 
I'm I'm really excited that the game was able to pull off 60 frames per second because I believe it was um I believe it was 3083, right? Uh I think so. I think I heard that. It might have been the Digital Foundry video actually where I heard that. It actually uh, it might have been where I heard that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it wasn't something I particularly noticed at E3, but but I definitely uh, definitely playing it this time. It's it's just incredibly smooth. There was no hint of any slowdown. It, it seemed to be fixed at 60 frames a second. Um, and the visuals are, uh, I mean, again, I'll be interested to really get it in handheld mode and see what it looks like in person, but the visuals in TV mode are, are just incredible. Um, it's, it's sort of funny how you know intellectually that the Switch is significantly less powerful than these other platforms. And yet, you know, I would I would struggle to find many games that are kind of much better looking than this uh, in general at the moment. Yeah, I, I, would, I would agree. It, it, this is one of those things where, like, in Galaxy 1 and 2 were also like this, where they just yeah. looked so amazing for the hardware they were that they were on. And... Uh, you know, when Galaxy 1 and 2 came out, people were already doing 720 HD. Um, yep. And with Galaxy 2, they were already doing 1080 HP uh, with a lot of stuff. And this game still isn't even hitting 1080 HP. I, I, or HP. Uh, 1080p. I, I believe it hits 900. Um, again, thank you, Digital Foundry. Um, <laughs> it's a good video. Uh, it's really good, yeah. Yeah. Um, so tech, I mean, technically, it can't be as as detail oriented as as some of the other console stuff, but it does look that way. Like it does look, for all intents and purposes, like it's hitting that PS4 like image quality. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think one thing I'm noticing over time, um, and. And this is sort of true of Nintendo games in general, but I, I think particularly with this game, is the animation. Um, there is there is incredibly sharp attention to detail in the animation here, um, and not just Mario. I mean Mario in particular, but also the enemy characters and kind of the NPCs in the world. Um, even the even the way that the kingdoms themselves animate because they're not turns out they're not static environments um the animation is really really superb so uh you know if if mario is hot or cold you'll see him shivering or you'll see his cheeks go red you'll see his facial expressions change as he's as he's in different situations you'll see his eyes move around as he's kind of watching what's going on in the environment um there's so much attention paid to these tiny little things that you know, if you're just blazing through and not paying attention, you may not notice. But if you really sit with it and explore, um, it, it's like every little element has been really carefully considered. Yeah, um, that's that, that seems to be the biggest draw of the game. Um, where would you rank your excitement for, for Super Mario? I mean, I, I guess I'm... I guess you're pretty excited, right? I am, but I... It's one of those things where, like, okay, it's a main Mario game. You know it's going to be pretty good no matter what. That You'd be shocked if it wasn't. Um, but 
I think I'm anticipating it much more now after this play session than I was hmm. even after E3. Um, I Because a big question in my mind was, you know, going into it was, here's this Mario game that in some ways is, in some ways they've done with Mario what they did with Zelda with Breath of the Wild in terms of some of the design principles going on. And there's that part of me that was kind of wondering whether or not they could really pull that off and do it to the same degree as they did with Zelda. Um, but after playing it and sitting down with a longer session this time, I'm, I'm more confident than I were, than I was before that, that they're coming pretty close. Um, it's, it, it definitely feels like it's, fulfilling that promise from what i played that's that's such a great thing to hear after how just eye-opening and and great breath of the wild was earlier this year it's amazing that they can do it again in the same year (laughs) especially considering that this is the company that like the droughts of the wii and wii u eras were are famous (laughs) Like, yeah. uh, the idea that we could just go from Breath of the Wild to Mario Odyssey and also have other games come out this year is incredible to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually said uh, when I was sitting there with... Uh, there were various people coming in and out of the room at different times, but, uh, you know, so we were in one room and there was another media outlet in, in the room next to us and we were there with the product manager for... Super Mario Odyssey, which, I mean, <laughs> like, what a role. Isn't that incredible? Um, yeah. I said to her, aren't you lucky? She's only been there, I think, six months or something. I said, oh, gee, you scored the best job in the world. Wow. <laughs> and uh, and I actually made the point, like, as, as we were playing the game and we were chatting away, and I said to her, you know, I said, it feels like Nintendo is going through this massive comeback this year. And we talked a little bit about what had happened over the year. And, uh, and she just said something like, well, yeah, that's why my job is easy. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like she's like, Oh, I get to bring super Mario Odyssey to market in Australia and New Zealand. And it's like, she kind of pointed to the screen and she's like, I mean, look at it. You know, (laughs) she said what, you know, there's not really a huge amount of, of, uh, of work for me um, and I think that's sort of uh, true across the breadth of their titles this year yeah that's definitely true um, I, I know of a few people that, that are not as hot on, on the Switch's um, output this year and, and, and you definitely deserve your opinions whoever I may be talking about but um I, I just don't I don't see it. it. It's been so good. It's been so 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 good, especially compare it to last year when the big Nintendo releases were I think there were four of them. It was Star Fox Zero, a notably bad game. Um Paper Mario Color Splash, another notably bad game. Pokemon Sun and Moon, which was big, but also not Nintendo themselves, and kind of expected at this point. Like, I, I don't want to take away the goodness of a Pokemon game, but it's, you know, you can you can kind of count on it. They're they're near yearly, and 
Shin Megami Tensei, or no, it's not called that. It's F.E. Sharp Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Uh, yeah. Or Sharp F.E. Yeah, which I, I think, uh, I, I I know three people that played it, and I think that was, that was everyone that played it. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> if you compare, not, not to crap on that game, I, I actually have no idea if it's good or not. Um, but I mean, that's the those were the four Nintendo games last year, and just compare that to this year, it's insane. It it's just hugely different, and it's not just Nintendo; it's everyone else. But we've already talked about that in a previous episode. Um, let's. Um, oh, it, it's interesting that you said you were more excited after playing it this time, because sometimes, even for things that I am really excited about, um, e- even things that I know I will like a lot. Just playing them in a in a demo setting can really deteriorate the excitement for me. Yeah, um, yeah. I I was uh, I remember E three two thousand fifteen. I was there and I played Mario Maker for the first time. Yeah, and then I played Mario Maker again at Comic Con uh, that year. Both of which both times were uh, before the game came out. And it was just like at that at that point, it's like okay, I I feel like not excited about Mario Maker anymore. I like Mario Maker. I still I think it's like one of the best games for the Wii U, but um, it it just it just kind of sapped the excitement out of it after playing it twice. And you've played it Odyssey twice, and now you're more excited. So that's I guess that can be nothing but a good sign, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is just is definitely the setting. I mean. You know, E3, I, I definitely could tell there was something special there, but I played a lot of Nintendo games uh, in that sort of hour session I had. I had about 20 minutes with Mario Odyssey. Uh, you know, it's that whole thing. You're standing the whole time. You're, you're being walked through in detail by someone. You, um, you are, There's a lot of noise around you, whereas this time... There was a bit of an intro, but Nintendo pretty much just said, off you go, like, just just play. Um, and because of the setting as well, I think, like, we were, uh, you know, it was quiet. There was a small group of us. And one of the things I mentioned in the article, and I think this actually helped a lot in this case, is because the code was so new um, and not many people outside Nintendo in Japan had seen certain elements that we played. Uh, the The Nintendo Australia people uh, hadn't seen a lot of this content, this new content. And so the fun part was that we were actually sitting there together trying to figure out how to move through certain parts of the kingdom. Oh, that's um, fun. And that actually made it, better as well because it didn't feel like a really formal demo it felt like we were all just sitting around playing and you know we were reminiscing about super mario 64 and the games we owned on uh, super nintendo and so it was a very casual friendly informal session and i think that helped um i find it much harder to get accurate impressions of something when it's in that very very formal setting like at a, at a trade show yeah um i i think that's something that nintendo america has always struggled with um 
they've never in their entire lives seemed informal, or at least, I I guess since Iwata, or Reggie, when Reggie took over, I I think since then, there's really never been a time where I can think, oh man, Nintendo America has really unbuttoned their shirt on this one, uh, they, (laughs) they, they never have, (laughs) um, and, 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 uh, like, I'd like to take their word about some things in, in press releases, but I know when when Reggie has to say, like, every game that they're coming out with is his new, like, favorite game of all time, and he just can't, he just can't calm down about it for a second. Um, like, like, yeah, I, I admire that in uh, in Nintendo Australia, if, if that's how they, they normally are, a little more un, unbuttoned about it. That's cool. Yeah, I think... Um... I think also just um, being in that room and uh, there was something about the setting and, and, and maybe there's, I don't know how much I'm reading into this, there is probably something a little bit too about Australian culture that's a little bit more laid back at times. Um, and so even though they still have the very, they still have all the kind of Nintendo trappings and, you know, you've still got to, you've still got to sign the embargo and they've got to go through the formalities. Um, when you actually get into playing the game, they're, they're quite, um, they were quite open. Um, and it, it just felt like we were having a friendly chat. It didn't feel like everything was being really scrutinized and monitored, uh, which, right. which in turn made the experience much closer to what you would have if you were just sitting at home. Right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for talking all about your Nintendo Australia trip. Unless you have any any last uh, points about Odyssey or Nintendo Australia. No, look, I think just, uh, you know, for people who haven't already, please um, check out the preview. It's we, We've tried to take a slightly different angle to kind of the bigger publications. Um, we've tried to go a little bit more in depth than maybe, you know, a lot of people normally would. Um, so I, I just hope people enjoy it and uh, I can't wait till we can actually review it. So you can probably find that preview easiest if you go to medium.com and just search in their search bar. What do you think? Odyssey Super Jump? That'll probably get you it. Yeah, look, if you go to, if you just go to Super Jump, uh, either through Medium or you go to superjump.online. Um, you'll find it pretty easily, um, and you'll definitely find links to it, uh, to the article and to videos on our social media as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a very handy uh, spoiler warning inside the article itself, which I appreciated, um, and you can use it too. Let's see. Um, listener write-ins. If you want to write into the podcast, you can do so at podcast at superjump.online one thing I am very curious to hear feedback on is if you think that the show is too Nintendo centric uh, because we're ostensibly just a generalist video game podcast like we we didn't set out to be a Nintendo show but as we're doing it you know uh, I I, I think that just a, a lot of the um like a lot of the middle ground between James James's interest and myself, or my interests, 
are in the land of Nintendo, uh, so it's definitely easiest to talk about that. Um, but but if there's a desire for us to get, to really like get outside of that zone, I, I think we can make a bigger effort uh, to to do that. But maybe there's no desire. I don't know. I want to hear from you. So that's podcast at superjump dot online. Now, every episode, at the end of the episode, we like to do this thing called after-school activities. These are things that James and I would like to recommend that you, the listeners, check out uh, between episodes, because there are usually two weeks between our episodes, which is a good amount of time. Uh, So you can do other things. This week, uh, I would like to recommend, if you have a Nintendo Switch, checking out the Project Octopath Traveler demo. Now, this is the demo of the new JRPG from Square Enix. It's exclusive to the Switch. Um, and what what's cool about this, and why I'm, I'm recommending a demo, because I don't think I normally would, um, is that they want feedback on it, which I think is super cool. I respect that a lot. Um, they just want feedback on the game. So, check out the demo. See if you like it. See if you don't like it. And, and uh, regardless if you like it or not, Make sure that you make your your feedback known about the game. Don't be mean about it if you don't like it. No one deserves that, but uh, make it known. They want that. They're asking for it. Uh, so, James, what about you? Uh, so, mine is is um, a little bit weird because it's like a big blockbuster release that's just come out. Uh, but I am going to recommend Destiny 2. <laughs> and... The reason I'm going to recommend this big blockbuster that everybody's heard of is because I get the fairly strong impression that there were a lot of people who either played the original game and ended up deciding fairly quickly they didn't like it and there were a lot of things about it that just didn't work well or just weren't there at launch and a lot of people I think kind of fell off the train you know before it was updated and the expansions came out and everything um so there are a lot of people who are kind of lapsed in that sense and then there were a lot of people who i think just were so turned off by the the coverage of the first game initially that they just didn't want to go anywhere near it at all as a franchise and Mm -hmm. so i want to recommend destiny 2 because if you played the original and you know you liked the gunplay and you like the art style and you kind of like the concept but the lack of story pissed you off or the grinding was annoying or the lack of content was annoying definitely check out destiny 2 a lot of those issues have well and truly been addressed um and if you were kind of curious about the original and you never got into it at all don't feel that you need to have played the original to play Destiny 2. It's actually a really good uh, starting point for people who have never played Destiny before. Um, I would really highly recommend it. I think this is the first time that both of our after-school activities are video games, which is odd for a video game-related podcast, but, huh, that's cool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, and I... I yeah. deliberately tried in this one to to go for a non Nintendo thing because I'm I'm a little bit obsessed with Destiny Two at the moment. So oh, it's uh, worth yeah, it's definitely worth talking about. I I've dipped in a little bit myself. Um, I don't know how much I'm going to get into it because uh, just in general, I I don't like talking to people online <laughs> during video games. Yeah, um, yeah. 
although the option should always be there. But yeah, it's a discussion for another time. Uh, social media. You can follow us on social media at um, facebook.com slash superjumponline and twitter.com slash superjumponline. Um, and, and, of course, our Medium page, which is our main thing, Superjump the magazine. Um, I, I, I think nowadays uh, the Superjump Online Twitter account is more prosperous than ever. You will see more updates than ever before. I've noticed that myself. I don't have anything to do with that. It, that's all you, James, right? Yeah, at the moment it is, but um, I, I was a little bit late getting onto the Twitter bandwagon. But uh, we're going to be doing... We're going to be pushing out all of our updates on Facebook and Twitter, um, but I, we might be a little bit more active on Twitter in the end, so we'll see how we go. And uh, again, if you could review us on iTunes, if you could uh, if you could just subscribe on iTunes or whatever your podcatcher is, um, that'd be great. You don't need to, but uh, that's fantastic. This has been uh, Mitchell Wolf for James Burns. Thank you very much for listening. We'll jump at you next time. Stay super.